0: Hi, I'm Alexandra Roxo, your host of the Holy Fuck Podcast. I've created this podcast because I want to explore how the mystical touches us in our everyday lives, how the sacred and the profane move together like two sides of the same coin. I found that personally, the most magical view I can choose of life is when I find the divinity, the healing, and the transformation in all of life. In this podcast, you can expect to hear inspiring conversations and storytelling that touch the heart and awaken the soul. This is a place for the modern seeker, passionate human, and curious explorer, a place where we can redefine what is sacred and what is profane, and just have the courage to open to it all. A place where we can step out of the mainstream programming and choose what stories beliefs and rituals we hold sacred and true. On this podcast, you're going to hear from people on all sorts of walks of life, sharing what they're passionate about, what keeps them awake at night, what they consider to be sacred, what they consider to be profane, how they have explored life and freed their hearts and souls through love and spiritual practice, art, meditation, sex, drugs, birthing, prayer, just experiencing life in all of its wild tragedies and comedies. Plus, ideas, explorations, advice, and truths from me on sex, relationships, spirituality, and what it means to be a human on this planet at this time. If you've found that you're also a rebel mystic who doesn't fit into the flattened ideas of good and bad and spirituality, but sees the nuance that life has to offer us, then I hope you find a home with me here in this podcast. Enjoy. On today's episode of the Holy Fuck Podcast, I have Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens. Annie Sprinkle has been an inspiration to me since I was about 18 in college at NYU. She is a feminist icon. She is an activist. She is a writer about orgasm and sex. And currently, uh, she and Beth are leading a movement about being ecosexuals and how with um this passionate inquiry practice and relationship to the earth we can heal it. So I hope you enjoy this episode. It was really, really fun to sit with these two bold bright beautiful beings and uh I'm excited for you to hear it. Enjoy. Hi everybody. I am so excited today to be sitting with Annie Sprinkle and Beth Stevens. And these two beings are incredibly inspiring. I feel just grateful is the best word and excited to be having this conversation because I stumbled upon Annie's work almost 20 years ago and have been a fan for a long time. So, thank you so much for taking the time and sitting with me today.
1: Well, I'm Annie and my voice is this one. Okay, good. And this is my voice.
0: <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. I would love to start by hearing um, from both of you all just a little bit about what you're up to these days, who you are, for those of um, the audience that don't know you, anything that you feel like you want to presence into the space.
1: Well, Beth and I have been together 19 years doing collaborative art projects and since 2008, since our big aha moment, we have been doing work about loving the earth and being ecosexual. sexual I'm a professor at the University
2: of California. This is Beth. I've been here for 27 years. I can't believe it. I love teaching it. And uh, I'm an artist. And when I met Annie, and that's a sort of long story that we can tell or not, but um, I, we, when we got together, we started doing performance art together almost immediately, and that just grew and grew and grew until we created this ecosexual movement that we're now uh, caring for. And when I say caring for the movement, we've just written a book assuming an ecosexual position that talks about how the movement came to be, and we are also making films. And we do performance art pieces, such as the one that's going to be in the columns in September. And um, yeah, we're just we're just busy
1: loving the earth. Yeah, pleasure activists. We want yeah. to see more love and pleasure and ecstasy. Yeah, in the world. And being outside uh, or any of the non-human realms can. Be incredibly sensual and erotic and sexy, and mm. so mm. we have been, We are. We say our goal is to make the environmental movement more sexy, fun, and diverse. And we do this in many different ways. We follow our muse, mm-hmm. our hearts, our clits. <laughs> we mm-hmm. follow our, each other, usually our brains and our mm-hmm. our inspirations into like strange performances and
0: and experiments, life is art to us. And Yeah. uh, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. There's so much in there. And I'm just, I want to, I want to ask you, Annie, a few questions about your early, early work. So that's what I stumbled upon um, when I first encountered your work. And it was like, it was revolutionary for the time. And so I would just love to, um, just to hear like what brought you into doing work that was around your sexuality and the piece that stood out for me the most and probably the one that I learned about while I was at NYU a long long time ago was when you um invited people into looking into your cervix and I'd love to just hear the impetus for that piece and and um you know what came from that as well i feel like it kind of broke and shattered maybe a lot of barriers and ideas that people had about the female body so i'd love to hear about that for the for people that haven't maybe done the research that i've done um around that
1: well i'm uh, i've been almost 50 years doing work about sexuality and it started when i was 18. so i was a very shy kid grew up in the city and had a very good first sexual experience. And I thought, this is great. And by the age of 18, I ended up in the sex industry and kind of recreated Shy Ellen into a uh, sexual adventurer, Annie Sprinkle, and which is now my legal name. So I did a lot of mainstream kinds of sex work and then bridged into performance art and did a theater piece about my life and work in uh, 89 and then toured the world talking about sex work and my life. And it was always about me and the personal being political. and, And eventually I wanted to collaborate with others more. And Beth became the perfect collaborator and we fell madly in love. And I got to travel the world with a great partner. And then our love grew into ginormous cosmic proportions we'll tell you more about. Mm. So yeah, this public cervix announcement was one scene in a show called Postponed porn And the feminists were showing each other their vaginas and cervixes with speculums for a while. And I was inspired by them. And I did it on stage because mm-hmm. I it was fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I didn't have hang-ups about my sexuality and my body. I was pretty shame-free at that point. And hopefully other people felt my you know, could see a demonstration of non-body shame and uh, and and go from there. So yeah, I used to sell speculums at the show and encourage other women to do a show with their partners and their friends their own cervix.
0: Mm, I feel like that 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 performance influenced so many people whether they know it or not and um because of how it it just rippled out in different arenas i think and so um for everyone that's listening that go go look at imagery i don't know if there's any videos online but that was a seminal i think moment for women there are videos
1: well by the way at that same time beth was doing work sculpture with speculums and um, The female gaze and in the body and sexuality and safe sex so she was also doing that work and part of that what we call now the sex positive feminist movement
0: yeah amazing and i loved reading um about the work that you all did together um the one that one of the to the two pieces that stood out for, for me from that you spoke about in your book was just, um, coming together and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but um, shaving your heads together when Annie had cancer. And then also, um, having the three hour kiss in the gallery and inviting people in. And I'd love to hear about those two pieces and kind of where your collaboration together, like the, the, it feels like love and meets healing meets sexuality meets, you know, political action, like there's so much um, kind of intertwined there. So wherever you'd like to take that, just how that, yeah.
2: Well, we often call ourselves life artists. Mm-hmm. So whatever comes up in our life, we approach it using art mm-hmm. and incorporating it into our art practice. So when Annie did was diagnosed with breast cancer and she took a kind of chemotherapy that made her hair fall out, we decided to turn that into performance art and so we did a um we did several pieces but one of them was was shaving our heads with a, a photographer in the room Mm-hmm. and then you know actually shaving our heads and then making love and david steinberg doc- documented that and that piece ended up in a magazine called on our backs which was a lesbian sex positive magazine it doesn't exist anymore but i remember we it. often yeah. say that was the first uh you know cancer erotica
0: mm-hmm. and, and, oh. and it
2: was published which gave it you know it gave it some life yeah and then because annie had to keep doing chemotherapy we we kept our heads shaved and we also did a full-on theater piece called exposed experiments in love sex death and art Mm. this piece traveled around it was probably our best theater piece that Mm. was inside the black box theater and we would have to shave our heads to reenact this 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 cancer Mm. scene over and over again. And finally, we ended the piece when we got so tired of shaving our heads that we just couldn't do it anymore because the cancer had been beaten back and uh, we didn't really have a reason to shave our heads anymore. So that was a kind of intense way of being in the world with a bald head because you feel everything. You feel all of the elements. You feel the cold. You feel that you, you, you have to protect your head sometimes. It's, it's a very immediate way of being in the world. And then we also, during this period of time, did the kiss piece. Mm. And that was an endurance piece, a time-based endurance piece where we, yeah, we just kissed for three hours in a gallery. And people came and watched us. And we repeated that performance also many, many times. We did it in London as a workshop. And we had a kissing workshop where we were threatened by um, the residents outside because they found two women kissing or it was a whole group of people kissing. So intimidating. So we moved inside the theater. And then after that, we, we found out that two people that we had paired up arbitrarily because they hadn't come with partners. One person was Palestinian and the other was Israeli. And they thoroughly enjoyed kissing each other. So wow. the performances is also being political. They're not just aesthetic experiences
0: but they're yeah. and they're political yeah and there seems to also be a very ritualistic aspect to all of those different performances i don't know if that was an intentional like it seems like it's a prayer it's a spell it's a ritual like to be sort of in this group of people like creating this orb of pleasure and i'm curious um uh, how does, like, how did you, or when did you begin sort of translating it into this um, kind of more spiritual, if that's the right word, I'm not sure what word you guys use, but this um, this kind of all-encompassing, spiritual, soulful, m- embodied kind of experience, like, was there a direct link to, like, oh, this is actually part of our spiritual practice, or... Um,
2: I think we claim to do that. yeah. yeah reading that maybe other people garner from the work from you know reading about it or being part of it i mean it is spiritual but we're not we really stand firmly rooted in the field of art and people do find art to be spiritual but we are not exactly setting out to create an all-encompassing spiritual movement really um in fact, I would say, and Annie might disagree because we don't always agree on everything. But I would say that our, you know, our rituals are a little bit—they're—they're uh, they're chaotic, and they're uh, I- improvisational. So that, uh, for instance, we did many, many years of wedding rituals, but they were always very uh, quirky. They, they were quirky, and they're performance art. They're really based in performance art, where anything can happen within the container of the wedding ceremony and the uh, uh, script of the ritual of the wedding. But we tried to queer those rituals. I mean, I would say more than anything else, we were shaking rituals up more than actually proclaiming to have rituals that uh, had a spiritual goal. Our goal is relationship, collaboration, connection, and
1: love. And generating love. That mm-hmm. has been our project. So, we create containers where people can experiment with life and, and make new friends and express themselves and love the earth. Well, when Beth talked about the weddings, we did a big series of weddings where we married the earth. First, which was our aha moment, a life changing experience. And then we married the sky, the sea, the lake in Finland named Lake Kalavasi. The Appalachian
2: Mountains, where we are in the bosom
1: of right now. We've married coal and rocks and Uh. everything. So we did about 22 of these huge weddings. And they were very powerful and they were rituals, but they were outside the box. Yeah. And I would say, I'm, I'm thinking that last New Year's, we were with someone
2: at, in, in the mountains in Santa Cruz, and we were, we were chided for not being serious enough about rituals. Oh. We bring laughter and play, mm. all kinds of things to the things that we do that might be ritual, might be seen as ritual.
0: But yeah, we have
2: really, plenty of room for laughter,
1: kidding around. We like absurdity. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, and I think that there can. I mean, I, to me personally, I think that can be incredibly spiritual and like the pagan rituals. Like when you're talking about mirroring the sky and the earth, and like, I mean, there's to me that sounds like so much magic. But that's also my own kind of gaze and interpretation um, of the work, and just feeling like like wow, that sounds so magical. That sounds so true. Um, uh, to be able to sort of see the earth as an extension of our own physical body. I mean, to me, and I and I'm curious, um, Annie, because I know you do have a little bit of a background with Tantra or Taoist practice and um you know, how that kind of bridges into this, because it feels so related to me, like it feels so tantric in a way to go, um, like the earth is my lover, my body, and I want to like become one with with her. And I'm curious if that was like a conscious thought or how that kind of flows together for you.
1: Well, this is a show about aha moments and... Um, My first sexual experience was on the beach in Panama on a full moon, on the equator, and on mescaline. So I was influenced by psychedelics, which is very spiritual when done correctly. And uh, and, uh, and certainly outside, people have amazing experiences. Also learning about ecstatic breathing, uh, energy orgasms. A lot of the work... Uh, the experience I had in sex, sex was spiritual, all sex was, even my bad sex, I consider spiritual. Um, that was my thing for a long, long time is, is uh, orgasms and ecstasy. Uh, and we're still on that path. Although it's, it's post-menopausal. It's kind of, uh, out, it's kind of more experimental. We see it as the future of expanding what sex is beyond the body. And so sex is spiritual. Eco sex mm-hmm. can be very spiritual. If you really mm-hmm. eroticize the the world, you walk in the world in a state of bliss.
0: Yeah. I think that is such a powerful act and I feel like it kind of heals such a deep, um, puritanical Christian wound that I myself have growing up in Georgia and the Bible belt. And like, to be able, it's like the part of us that feels the shame and the guilt, like, wait, I can eroticize this and that, and I can feel this extension of pleasure. And I remember once I was, um, self-pleasuring and I just like wanted to imagine and fantasize about self-pleasuring with a tree. And like, that was like one of the best kind of, kind of personal fantasy orgasms that I had and I was like wow it's just me in a tree you know and like I, I I've come to think of like that that's not weird but I feel like for a lot of people that would be like wait what you you want to you know Uh, eroticize a tree (laughs) you know it's like and and but and maybe a lot of I mean I grew up also eroticizing um, water and and having pleasure experiences with water and so I think when I came into my early kind of goddess spirituality more kind of pagan days it felt like oh, of course I could be in nature and open my being to this. Um, and there can be, I think, a disconnect, but, but the way people view something spiritual, quote-unquote, like high or like, you know, kind of crown chakra or whatever, versus like this, like hips and thighs and juicy, like down, like squatting. And um, what I'm, I just, I like finding a way to bridge the gap for people in there and, I will say, but like, I found your list of orgasms, Annie, when I was really young and I was trying to figure out what happened to me. I had a a, a strange orgasm and I thought, gosh, is this, is this, you know, what is this? And then I, I stumbled upon your list of, um, how many were on, are on that list?
1: There are various lists. Okay, there's anyway,
0: and it was like it was like this. It was like a breath, something orgasm. Like your hands and your feet are tingling, and da, 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 da. And I was probably twenty-two, and I was like, oh, okay, okay. I had this kind of an orgasm. Like everything is okay.
1: <laughs> I mean, Beth and I did a fantastic book about orgasm. Yeah. That was our last book. It's called I'm *Explorer's the... Guide to Planet Orgasm*, and it's like. Um, it's available at sex good sex toy shops and, of course, on Amazon for like $11. And it's like the best thing for young women, especially, to explain. It's yeah. only about orgasm. It's actually subliminal, ecosexual sexual because all the illustrations are outdoors. <laughs> but oh. I
2: just want to jump in on what you were saying about spirituality, because I, too, grew up in the South.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I loved like these kind of crazy churches that were here for for a while until i realized that they were really alienating people from each other from people who are different yeah from different ideologies and really from the earth and so to create these binaries of you know the spiritual and the profane or human non-human nature culture Wow. Yeah, white, that these kinds of binaries are actually very dangerous because yeah. you're in the higher realm, whatever that is, the human, the spiritual, uh, you know, the white, right, then you can kill the other thing without really considering it so much. Mm-hmm. And so I, I do have a bit of a, um, a response when, yeah, you know, when we talk about the spiritual, I like talking about the embodied.
0: I do too. I, I
2: it. like that, you know, as ecosexuals, we can literally roll in the dirt and cuddle yeah. in our dirt beds. We can yeah. work in the garden, we can we can rever the earthworm. Mm. So, you know, if you sense yeah. a little bit from me, if you sensed it correctly because I always try to keep a foot in the material world.
0: Yeah. The
2: material world's having such a hard time right now. And yeah. you know, there was just a huge report from the IPCC is that what it's called about how climate change is just really wrecking havoc all over. And I, know I was saying to you before the show started that it's nice to have a little break from the wildfires in California because the the smoke and the, the human loss and the, the loss of trees there is just so heartbreaking. It just is heartbreaking. And uh we as humans and as ecosexuals, we need to have our little boots on the ground <laughs> as well as our hearts in the spiritual realm to be mm-hmm. able to deal with these things because it's a very hard present right now for many, many people. And so we do attend to the spiritual and we want people to connect with the earth with love. That is really our purpose. You know?
0: yeah.
2: But we try to
1: do it in a really holistic way, that involves the body and the spirit and inclusive we're trying to make in mm-hmm. a a place where you know sex workers and and queers, punk rockers mm-hmm. trans people feel comfortable expressing themselves where's the yeah you know, where do the drag queens who do environmental activists go or the yeah uh, well grumpy old hunter men too i mean yeah. i grew up with
2: People that go hunting and Yeah. You have to include those people too, even as as difficult as they are. And I should take my own advice in saying that because I tend to get mad and
0: well, I want to hear more about your background a little bit because I loved reading in the book. I'm like, oh, snake, snake handling Pentecostal churches. And I was just like, I really, I didn't grow up in that, that deep of a South. I grew up more in suburban, but I'd love to hear how you started in that world and then made your way to a whole new world and, and you know, maybe back around again in that kind of, you know, really beautiful way but with a new perspective
2: (laughs) i was born in a rural area in west virginia Mm -hmm. in a family that was an american success story in some ways they had a shop a machine shop that worked in the coal mines and Mm -hmm. i was really between these worlds of of being with people who were very very poor in a family that was trying to get out of that and they did and um I saw all kinds of things that are just not on people's radar anymore because the United States has become so driven through commodity capitalism and through homogenization through media such as television, right, which teaches everyone how to be and how to be happy. And social media is an even more intensive uh, weapon used against people to make everyone be the same. And where I grew up, people were really diverse, even though they were white. And people were just all trying, communities helped each other. And people did all kinds of practices from Pentecostal evangelical snake handling to more bourgeois (laughs) forms of worship. And those things really impressed me. I mean, I was saying to, I also went to black Christian churches when I was growing up. I saw, my sister was a Mormon in West Virginia when Mormonism, there was probably four Mormons in the whole state, which strange as that was, that's what Uh that was. And so I saw a range, I was was exposed to a range of of religions and cultures. And in West Virginia at that time, a lot of people, people from, uh, oh geez. There were all kinds of Lebanese people here. There were all kinds of people from the Middle East. There were all kinds of people of color who came up to work in the coal mines, because it was a a way that you could actually make money. You can make a living without having an education or or people who were new immigrants to the United States. So that was a very diverse field for growing up. Plus, there was a little college up the river. Mm
0: -hmm. So that
2: gave me the inspiration to be educated. and. Finally, end up, you know, as a professor at the University of California. Wow. And my family really focused on education. My father very much wanted me to get an education, um, so so I was lucky enough to, you know, to have a father like that who yeah. really he really invested in me. Mm. My other sisters all married guys that worked for my dad in this machine shop. (laughs) My brother didn't, he didn't want to leave West Virginia. So I was really kind of the family investment that was sent off on a boat called college.
0: Wow. And so you left West Virginia and you went, did you go to California then or?
2: No, no. I had a, I had a more varied. I went to, where did I go? I went to Virginia. Then I went to New York. Then I went to Boston. Then I went to New Jersey and then I was in New York and then I went to too. Uh, yeah, but I was I feel that I was very lucky because that was a moment in history. And, and I made a film called Goodbye, Golly Mountain, where you can really see some of these influences and, and see mm-hmm. some people, like the people I grew up with, it was a very diverse crowd of people. Mm-hmm. And that has really allowed me to love all different kinds of people and get along with all different kinds of people. From um, mm-hmm. you know, I love I love hearing yeah. yeah. So it's just like any guy on the street or woman on yeah. the street. You no. Know? And uh, mm-hmm. I, do, I do love people. I, they're difficult, yeah. but I love them. <laughs> they're part of the earth. They're not separate from the earth. And I think growing up here really taught me that. I mean, watching men go into coal mines, those men are part of the earth they're
0: yeah. going into the earth and yeah it's like going into a yoni uh, pussy you know <laughs> well, like you can, read,
2: you can read theoreticians like Deleuze and guitar a, th- a thousand plateaus or a hundred whatever their plateau book is and they talk about mining and yeah. uh, this theoretical experience and it mm-hmm. is so i have a very strange background <laughs> People, were, people, I mean, people love to make fun of hillbillies in West Virginia, and it's very stereotyped and so on and so forth. Yeah. It's a wonderful cauldron of all different kinds of people and ideologies, and I think mm-hmm. it's beautiful, really cool, even in its you know, problematic state right now. <laughs>
0: Hello, quick interlude here. I hope you're enjoying this podcast. If you are, I'd love for you to check out my book, Fuck Like a Goddess, my guide to healing yourself, reclaiming your voice, and standing in your power. Publishers Weekly called it a sharp, forceful debut. It was one of Bustle's best summer reads and a bestseller in three categories on Amazon. These are my methods that I'm teaching to inspire you, challenge you, bring up your resistance so you can face it and get free and unleash your gifts. A how to let life make love to you, enjoy every bit and find the magic in all of it guide. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound and Sounds True or by visiting alexandraroxo.com book. Thank you so much. It means the world to me to have your support for my work back to the podcast. I love hearing that. And one thing that stood out to me is just that, you know, you, you reminded us that, that at that time we weren't presented a homogenized culture, like, and what that has done, what, how that has denigrated our own kind of self-expression or ways that we view ourselves. Just the fact that TV and social media create this kind of monoculture in a way with its own kind of separate little, you know, verticals. But that at that time, people were just, you know, coming from family, from their own inner freak, you know, from their soul perhaps. And like that to me, it's such a bummer in a way that we that we've lost that and and uh, I don't know how to sort of hold on to that thread. I'm like are we past the point, you know? But um but it's such a good reminder that um that's one of the things that's at stake right now, you know, is really like uh, like us holding on to whatever our own inner freak flag or our own inner uh, you know, ideology or um you know colors and expression you know so i appreciate that a lot and just that view of the south i think the south gets hated on a lot and like and it's nice to hear someone go wait a minute this is actually a place where there's a lot of you didn't use the word magic but there's a lot of like there's, it's just, you said cauldron, like there's a lot there that's brewing. And um, I do find those the, the hills of West Virginia or Kentucky or Georgia to be very magical. Um, and I, I think that, you know, who, if it's like, you know, liberal culture, whoever says like, oh, they're dumb or whatever, there's so much tradition and music and, um, you know, and, and texture to those places. So, thanks for bringing that in. Um, yeah, so I wanted to give everybody the definition of ecosexual. So, everybody, since um, Beth and Annie have this book about being ecosexuals and it's really epic, I want to define that for you. So, eco comes from ancient Greek oikos, sexual, from Latin sexualis. The first definition is a person who finds nature romantic, sensual, erotic, or sexy, which can include humans or not. The second definition, there's many definitions here. The second definition is a new sexual identity, self-identified. The third is a person who takes the earth as their lover. The fourth is... A term used in dating advertisements, which I don't know. If you'll have to explain about that in a second. <laughs> the fifth is an environmental activist strategy. The sixth is a grassroots movement. The seventh is a person who has a more expanded concept of what sex and orgasm are beyond mainstream definitions. I really like that one. Uh, the eighth is. A person who imagines sex as an ecology that extends beyond the physical body. And the ninth is, uh, oh, other definitions as yet to be determined. Okay. So that's an open-ended one It's kind of like, choose your own adventure. So anyway, I love all of those. Um, I love them and I love to hear a little bit from you all. Like, um, did you all come up with all those definitions?
1: Well, we the dating term was being used. Uh, so, for example, if you're looking for a partner or of some kind, you might put that you're bisexual or metrosexual or polyamorous, or it describes who you are. And some people are using ecosexual to say they don't use leather, or they're vegan, or they're interested in environmental stuff. That was pretty much it in 2008, and we did our project where we married the earth in Santa Cruz in the Redwood Forest, and 400 people came, um, and we asked for no material gifts but invited people to help create the wedding, and 150 people created this very, very powerful wedding ritual and there's a video on our website sprinklestevens.org, That's S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S.org. Mm-hmm. Um, also, CNN as uh, yesterday uh, on their homepage is a big article about our ecosexual weddings. Oh, amazing! All so our names and ecosexual,
0: you know. Yeah, we'll put all these links for everybody too.
1: Yeah. So um, there's a lot of pictures and information about our eco weddings so we just took that ball and the day after the wedding we were like wow that was so powerful that was more powerful than marrying each other
0: whoa wow Um, uh,
1: in canada it wasn't legal to marry each other in the u.s yet but we did Mm -hmm. do it in canada because so uh yeah it's been quite a process and we're actually about to go marry brine shrimp in the great salt lake <laughs> oh. so, so our, um. our things call attention to environmental issues i just uh. my slant to. i'm not sure
2: that it was more powerful than marrying each other but oh, okay. we had we had done human-centered weddings yeah we had done three or four of those and we felt that the earth yeah. needed the protections Mm. marriage of the institution of marriage more than humans did oh, because yeah humans are doing fine I mean we're not you know, maybe doing it fine but we're doing fine yeah <laughs> the earth <laughs> is really struggling and and so um, yeah that was, that was really what we felt and you know it's, listening to you read the definition and us talk about it we at that point were, were conscious that we needed to have some structures, like a definition. And then we had a manifesto. We still have a manifesto. And then we have the 25 ways to make love to the earth. These are all different <laughs> things that we've done, right? So we were building a structure to to, to strengthen this movement as an art mm-hmm. movement, because mm-hmm. other art movements, the Surrealists, the Dadaists, the Fluxus art movement, they all had a manifesto. They all had certain you know, yeah, definitions, right? and
1: mm-hmm.
2: uh, we were we were doing this as an art project, and so mm-hmm. we were sort of following these conventions of how do you set up an art? Movement.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I love what you said about just like humans marrying other humans versus marrying the earth, and that humans were like doing pretty well because we look out for ourselves, you know, and it's like, those vows of that I, I, I've never been married, but I've heard people get married. Um, and the vows of like, you know, I'll care for you in sickness and in health. And I just love that you all are like, well, we need to do that for the earth, for the, this particular Lake or this particular tree or this particular area, um, that it, it, that why not kind of lend our protection and our love to that place and be in a joyful communion with that place or that thing or that, you know, element. I think that's that's so beautiful. To me that feels like such a deep prayer. Um and it's like I I don't know if there's any indigenous cultures or any other cultures around the world that do any kind of rituals like this. Have you guys found that and
1: well fertility rituals with the earth farmers did all kinds of fertility rituals yeah. uh, there is a tradition absolutely that's in nature of course humans are part of the earth what yeah. we do to the earth we do to our bodies and yeah COVID 19 is a perfect example we yeah. disturb the ecosystem and now we're paying the price yeah uh, these viruses are being caused by environmental distraction has been scientifically proven and we believe in science mm-hmm. uh, so we're, we're i just got my booster shot yesterday right here in my, my uh, on your tattoo my, my tattoo uh, my arm's still sore but boy do i love that vaccine it's i'm a, i decided i'm a vaccine slut and I love antibodies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> right here. So when we marry each other, we're also marrying water. We're marrying minerals. We're marrying bacteria. We're only part human. We're lo- When we have sex, we're having sex with water, two bodies in yeah. water. Yeah. So we just think outside the box. Um, to us, sex is not about having the right sex toy, or about or certain kind of looking partner or a certain hetero homo by thing it's so much bigger and more exciting and more interesting and than that and when you love the earth you always have a lover you're never alone um and your love can grow why do we only fantasize about people fantasizing about a tree is a totally great option i had that experience i was on my bed in Manhattan, masturbating with my magic wand and saw a big puffy white cloud outside the window and just had a whole sexual experience with the cloud. And I actually wrote about it in a book, but uh, there's so much more pleasure to be had than just finding Mr. or Ms. Hottie. I wanna just
2: go back to your comment about indigenous people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We do share certain characteristics with our uh, practices that indigenous people, uh, all around the world practice as well. Mm -hmm. We have a very good friend, Dr. Kim Tallbear, who is the chair of indigenous studies at the university of Alberta and, uh, in Canada. Mm -hmm. she and we've had conversations very serious conversations with her about where there's overlap with ecosexuality and with indigenous cosmologies yeah we try to navigate those very carefully because so much has been taken away from indigenous people that we do not want to claim to have originated any of the kinds of connections that we have with the earth or spiritual practices or anything that um that you know we didn't originate these things and there are similarities with indigenous people and we do not want to appropriate those as if they are our own because they're not and so what kim said and which i what we try to practice is that we have to maintain careful conversations about these things and especially careful conversations with indigenous people in order to honor and respect their primary uh doing of uh, and belief systems and things like that so i have tremendous respect for indigenous people and i understand the kinds of genocidal erasure that they have suffered and i don't want to be part of that (laughs) appropriating you know anything that that, uh, but i also i also um you know i don't want to romanticize indigenous people either but i do have tremendous respect and uh, I want to be in solidarity with their movements as well. So I just mm-hmm. wanted to put that. Yeah, down.
0: thank you so much for saying that. And, you know, it's, it's, I think it's beautiful to also carry on whatever, depending on whatever tradition or place in the world it came from, to carry on the honor, respect, and love for the earth. And I think holding those aspects, you know, sacred or artistic or you know poetic magical however we do um i hope that that only sort of um kind of carries the 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 beauty that many of our ancestors that died or many you know people souls from different places on this earth were trying to do you know and that like maybe my grandma didn't hear them you know because she was in the kitchen you know with her jiffy or whatever jiffy jiff i'm imagining that cornbread mix you know cornbread (laughs) yeah i'm imagining my grandmother making cornbread and like she was like "Uh, i can't be bothered with the earth i'm like you know making cornbread and pouring my husband a martini you know (laughs) like
2: colonialism and christianity really severed our connections with these things yeah so that we could dominate
0: yeah
2: that, I think Annie and I are doing work to try to create mutual relationships that's why we call we say the earth is our lover because mm-hmm. you have to have a reciprocal relationship with your lover lover otherwise your lover is going to leave you your mother she will stick around even if you're mean to her or you don't respect mm-hmm. her or you are tired of her you know she'll still do your laundry and she'll still cook you breakfast and jiffy jiffy cornbread and yeah, the whole thing right the mother will always be your mother but a lover can say hey hey bye right uh-huh. and so and you want to pleasure your lover i mean i do i want to pleasure my lover more i want my lover to be happy i want my lover to be well in a different way than i want my mother to be because it's not yeah. an obligation yeah, it's so
1: true. Said, these are. This is an archetype: lover, mother, friend, sister, healer. The Earth can ha, is big enough to include all the archetypes. Yeah. <laughs> so there's nothing wrong with imagining the Earth as a mother either. We
0: well, do most that mothers, as well.
2: Most mothers had to be lovers to become mothers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But often things changed after that.
0: <laughs> hmm Yeah. Well so I'd love to hear from you all and I I think I wrote them down some of the 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 25 ways to make love to the earth or some of the ways that people could get involved in the movement that you're creating whether it's artistically or just in their own kind of at-home daily ritual like what are some of those ways that that people can continue this and 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 from the beautiful perspective that you guys are are giving us with um ecosexuality and and in your book
1: by the way one thing we like to think of is the earth as all genders
0: yeah
1: gender beyond gender it can morph from male to female just like yeah more from mother to lover and back again. yeah so to us the earth is trans so we like to Use he, she, and they pronouns when we talk about the earth. Love. I just want to say one more thing, and then we'll get yeah. to it.
2: Ecosexuality uh, is something that anyone can do. You don't have to give up any of your other sexualities. You can still be heterosexual, bisexual, asexual, even, and ecosexual. It's a, it's a, it's a big umbrella, and it's mm-hmm. very inclusive. And it's very ecological so we respect all of the other identities that people need to have
0: mm-hmm. and so
2: in that way and you could you could be a saturday night ecosexual if you want to you know and then sunday morning go back to church or whatever right? mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's very flexible mm-hmm. and, and trying to create something people are attracted to not something that they feel they have to do
0: yeah and i feel like there's there have been such a rise of people engaging in plant medicines in the last, you know, kind of while like a, a, a third wave of psychedelic renaissance. And I kind of wish that all those people who are using plants to further their consciousness could like do it while lo- like loving and making love to the earth and honoring the earth because for me it's like when i eat mushrooms they like just want me to be so close to the earth and to like revere and love and cry for and be just in that union um and it seems like that would be just, just such a lovely way that that even people that are like in the space of you know like engaging with it in that way like okay you too can be an ecosexual you like mushrooms great it's time to be an ecosexual then you know
2: uh, you <laughs> are
1: what you eat <laughs> yeah you are it's self-identified though and we don't say anyone should be ecosexual yeah it's yeah. if you want to be aden- add that right. identity to a list of other identities. Please do. Oh, It just means you love the earth. I yeah. I say I'm a hundred percent ecosexual now. <laughs> Me Back mm. to that
2: twenty-five <clears throat> ways. I mean, the first one is tell the earth I love you and I can't live without you. Mm. you yeah. know, and we can't. <laughs> Smell her,
1: taste her, touch him all <laughs> over, hug and stroke <laughs> his trees. I mean, it's like talk yeah. dirty to their plants, swimming in waters, massage the earth with your feet, kiss the liquor, bury mm-hmm. parts of your body deep inside their soil, mm-hmm. them, cuddle the earth. <laughs> That's right. Try some but grass on the earth
2: with your feet. I
1: mean, uh. go for a walk.
0: I- I'm like turned on and I want to cry at the same time, just hearing you all.
2: (laughs) You can have intercourse with the air that you breathe. I mean, it's
1: hot. Promise to love, honor, and
2: cherish (laughs) the earth until death death brings you closer closer together together forever.
1: (laughs) It's very simple. Just love the earth and And get out er there and feel it. And eroticize everything. I mean, the bees... Pollinating the flowers is a yeah. lot of show. That, uh, I know there was
2: a little hummingbird sw- that was flying around oh. at the beginning of the show and I felt like I was watching a
1: striptease. Oh I, my God. everywhere outside. Yeah, it and is. Even inside we have those nice
0: flowers. flowers,
1: yeah. Flowers which we bought for our host, which <laughs> uh, Annie stole for your podcast.
0: Oh, they look beautiful there. They look there's so beautiful
1: they but, probably would have been happier on the plants though so you know but. right so,
2: but i just want to say we're not purists we're eco centers too we drive cars we yeah we cut flowers we're not perfect mm-hmm. and i think that you know that there's room for the imperfect and eco sexuality too and i think that that's really important because it's impossible as human beings we just as anything you know i mean There's uh, everything, you know, we're all going to die one day. Yeah. (laughs) It really is the quality of the process of getting to that place that we're interested in. And, you know, we don't have children, but I'm a professor. I have lots of former students and I want them and their children to be healthy and be able to breathe clean air and not be afraid when they go to sleep that their house is going to burn down i mean yeah i um i care about these things a great deal and also about the animals we have recently become vegetarian and we're not perfect vegetarians but you know the the kind of industrial farming that's going on now is just horrific for the animals, and
0: mm-hmm.
2: as human beings, if we think that we can treat animals that way, then we will treat our neighbor that way when it tips you down, and we don't want to be that kind of human. Yeah, and we don't want to treat animals that way, or plants that way, or the water that way. Mm-hmm. And our society has made it so it, it's easy to do that, because we don't go outside and see what's really happening in the livestock pen, or in the rivers, or in these things. So I would say, one great practice of, of an ecosexual is, is go see these things. For instance, if you do go to our website, sprinklestevens.org. Mm-hmm. We have a link up to our film that will be up till the beginning of September. We can watch our film for free. Water makes us wet, and mm. we go visit the site of where Nestle bottles Arrowhead water. And oh it, Jesus! It, it, we we go, you know, hike. Good up for you. San Bernardino and they have huh. a permit to bottle that water for $500 a year. It's an illegal permit, but they
1: pay $500 a year? You know, the money they're making stealing all the water off that. Water. <gasps> animals, their animals going extinct because they take all the water and the animals. I mean, it is a bit infuriated too. <laughs> the streams are drying, so certain animal species are not. It's a mess. It's but crazy. Yeah. It's also, we make love to water so please watch water.
0: and please what, water. what about after september 1st where will the film be
2: well then it's really cool our distributor got it onto canopy okay a streaming platform that you can access if you have a public library card or if you're affiliated with a school
0: okay so cool be,
2: you know then some people subscribe okay
0: and canopy. that'll be linked on your site too like where to find that after That's september.
2: Canopy with a K. okay
0: okay Okay,
2: like, cool.
0: Stevens with a PH. Yeah, we'll put all those links in the in the show notes for everybody. Um, but those are so, t- I loved hearing those 25 ways to make love to the earth. And I feel like, especially in this, this last year and a half where everyone's been more inside and more isolated, I've been kind of preaching to, to my own audience of like, go get out in the woods, get naked, get in a stream, get in a like. Put your feet on the earth like come on get out from behind the screen like the hypnosis and the trance of the screen you know it's just it's so intense nowadays and you know last night i was sitting with my partner in the woods and we were just being quiet and and these two moose came up and um and you know my inclination was like oh no are we okay and um my partner was just like just know that seeing wildlife is a gift just be here with the gift and I thought well you know well damn if I'm pretty comfortable with being outside what about other people who are just terrified of nature and so I I realized in that moment like every time that we go out and we sort of bridge the gap it's like meeting someone of a different, you know, background or religion or something where, where it feels foreign, it feels new, but then once you st- start kind of talking to that person, you're like, "Oh, we're the same." And I I feel like with nature and us engaging, it's like if we don't if we have the fear to get in the water, to take the shoes off and hike without shoes or this morning I put my feet in a stream and you know, just put my face in it. It's like those moments create such a bridge.
1: We're going to be in Colorado in a few weeks. I, well,
0: that's what Beth said. So I got to
2: We're doing a walking tour of the Poudre River. So because they're thinking about damming the Poudre River up. And so we're going to talk about the history and the process of damming and things uh, like that. come join us. Yeah, come on up. I'm going
0: to go look and see if I'm around because I would love to do that. That would be really magical. Our
1: calendar. Check out our calendar. We're going to Colorado, Utah, and Nevada.
0: Amazing. Um, yeah. yeah
2: and we'll have books to sell we can autograph
0: them amazing so tell us tell everyone like um, the name of your book and where that we can I mean I know where we can get it but like just so people know because I think that's an important part of supporting your work and also just to getting um, closer to what this uh, artistic um, embodied movement is all about
2: well the book's called Assuming the Ecosexual Position I
0: love
2: lover, and you can get that book. The first place to go would be get your local bookstore to order the book. Yes, the University of Minnesota
1: is also selling the book on their website. Cool. The University the University of Minnesota
0: Press all right, right, is our all right. publisher. Okay, great. Yeah, go to those places first, people. Let's cut. You know, <laughs> let's the cut place. the. The line
2: a huge rainforest that's being destroyed by the very company that named itself
1: that. <laughs> and if you do get it from that place yeah get, please give us some reviews
0: exactly yeah that's what i tell people as well it's like if you are I- going to go there
1: well, you learn everything you wanted to know about eco-sex and imagining the Earth as lover, and all our experiments. It's a love story about two artists in love, and the love grows. And it's we're really proud of this book, and mm-hmm. it's got incredible forward and afterward by other great thinkers and curators and artists
0: and feminists
2: it, it has instructions for how if you want to have a wedding to a nature entity. We say go for it. Yeah. The more all of us marry the Earth, the better off the Earth might be. I mean, we might get yeah. worse at some point, but we haven't gotten to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's like the afterlife. Oops, I incarnated yeah. on this other planet. Now I need to marry like the dog star Sirius. And now, yeah, you know, um, I love that yeah. <laughs> um, whole intergalactic thing. Yeah. But the for everyone listening, it's just I know you all have such a breadth of work. And I hope, like, is that available online? Kind of like the work of the last, I don't know, however many decades? Can Is that on the Sprinkle Stevens website as well? Yes. Okay, cool. Because everyone, I hope people go out and read your other books and watch any other projects, because one thing that I'm just feeling is um, a devotion to something so great as a part of your life's work. And I feel like nowadays a lot of people are confused how to give their gifts what to do what is their purpose um you know and there's a a lot of homogenization there and it's like i hope that that people can be inspired by both of you your courage your freedom your fun your aliveness joy you know curiosity and how that's been decades of art and creation and like people let's get out and keep creating during these times like let's not just stay at home behind the screen, you know.
2: Thank you so, so much. And on that note, I just want to say that we just started a nonprofit, an official nonprofit. It's called the Earth Lab SF and earth lab stands for environmental art research theory and happenings mm. so we're just getting started with this but we do take interns sometimes and we cool. love collaborating with other people and in other institutions and we love putting together symposiums or other kinds of gatherings i mean now during the pandemic we've we've you know been less doing that less but we, we we're always available to talk to people or to answer questions and or we
1: we can receive mm-hmm. donations as mm-hmm. tax yeah. products if people <laughs> yes. have extra money hanging around yes. to environmental art outside the box. But really yes. we want to make the environmental movement more sexy, fun, and diverse.
2: Yes. And that, that's that's our goal, and so um, you know we have multiple there are multiple ways to access us and mm. come play with us.
0: Yeah, so please everybody buy the book, go to the website, donate to the nonprofit, and you know just consider how um, this movement and how. Being like a steward, a lover of the earth can be pleasureful and artistic and beautiful. It doesn't have to be some, the the old look of how maybe we grow up thinking of environmentalism. I really love that you guys are going, rebrand. It's time to make this sexy. (laughs) Really, thank you. Thank you for doing that. It's such, it's been such, I could keep asking you all tons of questions. It's been such a pleasure to speak with you. And thank you so much for taking the time today.
1: Oh, thank you so much. This has been great.
0: Thank you for your interest. All (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in and talk to you again soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. For more, 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 follow me on IG at Alexandra Roxo, and you can get on my mailing list where I send poems, practices, rituals, links to upcoming retreats and events, and all kinds of goodies. And if this podcast has touched your heart, please let us know. Please write us a review, give us a five-star rating, all that. It means a lot to myself and everyone involved. Big, big love, my darling. Have a fabulous day, and see you again very soon.